0: Let's talk rugby. Uh, Brian, I, this is all a bit weird. I think in the build up to this game, we find ourselves being told that Leinster have no chance uh, against one of the all time great teams in European rugby. And, um, uh, you know, the, the general consensus is uh, why are they bothering to show up?
1: Yeah, it is a weird situation. Um, so it's, it's not been perfect preparation for, for them, far from it. Um, you know the last number of weeks you know even throughout the six nations they probably didn't get the result that you know that Leinster teams of old would have gotten in, in that period with the internationals gone and they you know, even though they have got by Bath in the quarter final you know they 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 really haven't been at their best and so i suppose when you look at the team sheets and you see that toulon 16 you realize why they're they're they're, they're they look as though they're comfortable favorites the only thing that that is in leinster's um on on leinster's side is the European pedigree that they have in the last five or six years, and um, you know they've they've obviously won a number of semi-finals um, and been close in another couple. So, you know, they won't go over and and, and completely fear the Toulon team. They should play with a little bit of fear because you know when you're playing against a team of that caliber, you have to have that in your gut to you know that little bit of concern that if you don't turn up, you could absolutely get tonked. Um so they should play with that. But at the same time, they should go over and, and feel as though it is a little bit of a freebie and that no one expects them to win. If they do, you know, quite possibly it could be one of the, the, the greatest Leicester victories of all time.
0: What was the game last year like to play in? Because uh, it wasn't an entirely different situation. They had roughly the same playing pool, maybe slightly better, given that uh, Johnny Wilkinson was there. What was, it, what was that actually like in the preparation for that game? And what level of expectation did you guys have heading into it?
1: We had an expectation that, you know, if we played well, we could win it. And if we imposed ourselves on them, that we could cause them problems. The thing was, I think, they probably cut us on the hop a little bit in that um, they had this ferocious line speed that I don't think we'd seen prior to, to um, prior to that game. Uh, and so we took a, quite a bit of ball off the top early on and so played right into their hands. and You know, um, defensively, they were being quite offensive with us and, and got some turnovers, and, and that, that kind of got them into the game. And it really stunted our, our being able to, you know, launch off first phase, which is a, a thing that Leinster, I think, has has, has historically done quite well. Has, has had quite a lot of success in, you know, tr- in scoring tries and line breaks off first phase. So they obviously targeted that. Um, so with that in mind, you know, Leinster to learn something from that last year. That maybe they should you know, take a drive a little bit more ball, or or you know, take ball down and give rather than off the top, just to make sure that that you know, the, the three quarter line of of too long can't get the jump on them, and, and that they can get you know, players like Tio over the gain line and get the forwards around the corner. When I, sorry, go on.
0: When a team comes at you like that, and it's it's a bit of a surprise at the start of a game. Is that just because they haven't done they haven't done it all season and they're kind of unveiling something new for this stage, or is it that they've looked at you and thought, well, actually, if we have line speed today and they have the skill set to be able to adapt?
1: I think it's probably the latter. I think particularly when you're dealing with that that caliber of player and that caliber of individual and guys that I would have identified in doing video analysis and, and seeing where Leinster had been good and you know the success they had of oh, first phase. If you can deny them that good first phase ball, you know. Um, maybe they're, you know, not going to be able to go through the phases as maybe some other teams are able to do, and and I, I think you know, from memory that was certainly um, a big strength of of Leinster's, and and I, I think it did catch us on the hop, and we, you know, it took us a little bit of time to get into the game as a result of um, of I'd identifying where the space is going to be because when a team is playing very hard up in midfield, obviously those little dinks in behind, and you know, um, but you know kick pass it to the wingers, those sort of plays are on, and when you haven't um, started with a plan to do that, you have to be able to adapt that quite quickly, but that does take a little bit of time, that takes you know, four or five set set plays, and all of a sudden you're 20, 25 minutes into a game. Um, but my memory from that game too is that I felt unbelievably fortunate to go into the game, into half-time uh, um, level pegging, I thought. Um, you know there was a great opportunity for us because we hadn't really played very well. We were on the back foot, and and yet we still managed to to win um, on, on the same score. So um, they just came out and upped it in the next in the next half, and, and they came at us, and, and we just couldn't deal with um, you know their individual skill. They're, they're they are a team of individuals, but they they have this real cohesion as well, and they understand the running lines of one another and can almost read the plays a fraction before. Uh, they're going to happen, so I think that's one of their real strengths, um, and you know, it, it, it just it makes for a very, very. Um tough viewing when, when you're on the back foot against them.
0: That's the weird thing about Toulon, isn't it? That they've really been able to get this massive group of superstars to play with each other as if they kind of grew up together and came through the academy together and soldiered together through difficult times. And it's, it's, it's very strange. It's very rare in any world sport where you're able to just get a team of superstars and whatever way the egos in the, in the dressing room are being managed properly, that they are capable of, of performing as well as they've ever done and maybe at any stage in their career.
1: Yeah, huge credit to them for that. I, I kind of wondered with their first final against Claremont. You know, I watched the celebrations afterwards, and I wondered, you know, how tight knit were they? Were you know, I, I kind of just saw a few of them celebrating, you know, on their own or in ones or twos, and I thought there, there's a little bit of individualism there. Um, but then I saw it last year, and and I kind of just watched them throughout the year, and they do seem to be a very very tight knit team, and I think. That's growing more and more year on year. Um, they seem to really want to play for one another. And you look at the caliber of players that, that can't get in the team and, and you see that starting 15. When you have someone like Stefan Armitage, arguably the best player in Europe over the last two seasons, um, and you're sitting on the bench, you know, I think they're probably laying down a marker as well with a power game that they feel Leinster can't deal with having, you know, um, Hernandez, uh, not Hernandez, but Fernandez Love uh, um, playing in, 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 uh, at seven instead of uh, instead of Armitage. kind of said that they're really you know they're setting out their soul as to what way they're coming at Leinster
0: Yeah so if you're Leinster this week what are you thinking of from last year that you can actually learn maybe it's to expect the unexpected and beyond that you're looking at the stuff that they've done this year that's been successful because it doesn't seem like it's a, a a hugely innovative game plan that Toulon have it's like here we are not- come and beat us
1: yeah it's not. it 's not it's it's simple it's get over the game line you've got players like bastro and that will give you game line um you know when, if you get static ball if you don 't get great quality ball he'll still get you over the game line and then you 've got you know, power players like juan Smith and Beckys and ali williams who's you know, who's kind of had a resurgency um of of form this year um you know he's been immense for them and and then you 've got finishers um you know, you've even got Drew Mitchell and, and Rudy Wolf, uh, Rudy Wolf on the bench. You know, so Havana and Dylan Armistice are playing on the wings on Sunday, uh, and obviously, um, you know, the metronomic um, Lee Halfpenny at at fifteen. You know, just to tidy up everything and then kick the goal. So, from Lenser's perspective, I think they need to absolutely go out and feel that they need to score tries. I don't think you're going uh, to kick Tillon to 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 victory um, or into defeat, I think they have to go out and think we've got to score more tries than them. And A little bit of the way that Lencer has been defending, you've got to feel as though they're probably likely to, to concede a couple. So if they're going to concede a couple, they probably need to score two or three themselves.
0: Ron Gara was talking about um, there being an anger inside the Leinster players that he would have experienced uh, when he was playing against them and he expects a massive performance from them this week and has given them every chance of winning. At least that's what he's, he's written this week in his column. And I'm wondering, like, it, it seems that that's not really, it hasn't traditionally been the Leinster way over the last number of seasons that they find form and they maintain a level of form which sometimes flares up into absolute amazing Qualities of, of performance, as opposed to there being random one-off magical performances, is that fair?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you. I would. Yeah, I wouldn't. And that's, I suppose, a little bit as a Leinster fan, um, that's, you know, that's what would concern me. In that, you know, the, the, it's rare enough that Leinster, over the last number of years, have just pulled a rabbit out of a hat, and and particularly this season, I think, you know, compar- comparatively to last year, at least last year, there were three or four big, big performances. You know, notably Northampton away in, in in the in the Heineken, and then obviously the you know Glasgow game in the final of the Pro 12. You know, played exceptionally. Um, so there haven't been those big performances this, this year, which is a little bit of a worry. So you're kind of wondering, you know, who's going to take the bull by the horns and who's going to lead that big victory. And I, I suppose you have to look at the likes of Jamie Heaslip and Sean O'Brien needing absolutely monstrous games. But I think that Jimmy Goppert's um, have to have a, a huge, huge game. So much is, is controlled by, uh, by your 10, um, in, in obviously kicking well, but more importantly this week by running well and being an option himself and, and, you know, knowing that, that Johnny's coming in, he'll want to, he'll, he'll want to leave, you know, me- uh, Leinster fans with a memory of, of him being a good player, um, for them. Albeit he's had a little bit of a season. I know he has it in him. We've seen big halves for him. some the big half against, against, um, Quinn's. Earlier in in December, in, in over in the stoop, uh, but then he you know he reverted back into the into the pocket too much in the second half. So he needs to play an aggressive eighty-minute game of attacking rugby, and uh, hopefully they, they you know they pick up a couple of um, get, get one-on-one opportunities. Luke Fitzgerald come off as wing get get involved as much as possible, and get Tio the ball uh, as we saw last week how. How, um, how aggressive he can be at, at the game line and, and how and much his ability to beat players one-on-one um, is a real you know, str- strength of, uh, of Leinster's now.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Luke there. I've been talking to him. Here's um, an interview that we did with him on Wednesday. I started by asking him about why he's in such brilliant form at the moment.
2: Um, I'd say, I don't know, I always think like brilliant seems like a bit of a strong word to me, to be honest. Uh, I'm always wary of that. I always feel like you're probably somewhere in the middle there um, I do think I'm playing well and saying that but um, look I, I think probably I've, been, I've spent a lot, a lot of time kind of focusing on the basics and, and getting those things right uh, and I think that's probably helped and I suppose uh, it goes without saying that getting a couple of games under my belt injury free has definitely helped
0: Listening to you talk during the Six Nations um, after the selection came through it sounded like you had bulletproof self-confidence at that point and it certainly you backed that up with the performance in the final game of the Six Nations, you backed it up again in the quarterfinals of the Heineken Cup. Where did that come from?
2: Um, well, I suppose I kind of feel like I've been playing pretty good all season actually and I think, um, I suppose there's a bit of confidence from, you know, gained from, from last year and I suppose maturing up a little bit as a player has definitely helped, you know. Um, I think... Uh, having, been, I suppose, I was selected for the first few games of last year, and I think I got a lot of confidence in that in, in terms of knowing what what I had to do and what was necessary to, to get back in the team there, and knowing that I that I could do those things. Um, so that always helps. Um, and I suppose, like I like, like I said, I've been focused on the basics an awful lot, and I think, uh, especially in the bigger games, uh, knowing that knowing how important they are. And uh, I suppose having the confidence to, to, to do them in the games, is, uh, that, that's probably been a pretty big factor.
0: Yeah. You, your brain didn't melt during the injuries is the other thing, clearly. You kind of, you've come back calm and uh, patience, having the patience to know not to try and do something immediately spectacular.
2: Yeah, well, I suppose a huge amount of it, of, of it for me uh, it comes down to really simple things like just focusing on making sure I'm in, in, in a position that I can get the ball um, you know, and I think uh, focusing on things like just just getting the ball in your hands initially, like once you have that there, I think you know the things that I'm good at, like footwork, pace, and, and, and power, and those kind of things, they they come natural to you. So I suppose being calm in those moments uh, has definitely helped build that in. You know,
0: have you any idea why Leinster's uh, form has been so incredibly patchy? Even within games, there can be fifteen beautiful phases and then five or six not so good.
2: I think it probably comes down to, I mean, I think we've, you know, you hate to use excuses, but I actually think it's just being pragmatic about it. Uh, I think we've had an awful lot of guys who've been in and out of the team uh, due to injuries and due to Six Nations, different things like that. So I think it's pretty hard to bet in combinations and and for a whole game to go seamless. I think it's probably an unrealistic expectation placed on a lot of guys. I mean, you you think of big players for us like Sean O'Brien, who's missed a huge portion of the year. Uh, you know, you think of very important players for us, like Fergus McFadden's had a pretty uh, had a pretty bad run of injuries and a bit of bad luck. Uh, even like the likes of Jamie Eastle, who's been a stalwart for us, is, you know, he was obviously included in all the Six Nations stuff and then picked up an injury where he's never got an injury. So I think different things like that have probably uh, probably probably haven't helped. And I think as well, guys like Ben Thiel you talk like I think it's pretty logical in terms of of knowing why things probably haven't been as seamless. It doesn't mean that things can't go right for us on Sunday, but. Um, I still feel like uh, you know a lot of those guys have had a lot of bad injuries and I think a bit of time together will do us the world a good.
0: Do you think maybe those expectations are something that everybody should actually just pipe down a bit with? That, uh,
2: no, I think when you're paying money for the tickets, I think you're entitled to your opinion. Um, and I think guys are, I think it's probably um, not a realistic expectation for us to, to feel like if we're not performing to the levels we probably have done in the last couple of years, that the, you know, the supporters and the people who are paying good money to see us are a little bit disappointed on that. And I think people are probably going to write what they see now, whether they're slightly skewed and maybe slightly biased in terms of trying to, I would say at times maybe a little bit sensationalist in terms of how poorly we've been performing. Because I think the stats would probably tell you that we're, we score an awful lot of tries. And I think, um, although we haven't done that in some of the big days, we have on, on some of the other big days. Was the first half against Wasps comes to mind. And I think in the, in the, in the, um, Pro twelve, I think we've been pretty impressive in terms of the stats. I'm not exactly sure having those things to hand, but I know we we're pretty high up on the on the try scoring charts and I know defensively we would be pretty impressive. So um, I still feel like um, you know, people are entitled to their opinion, but I don't really think it has to necessarily affect um what what you know, the direction that the group is going and the things that we're trying to achieve together.
0: Is it hard though not to so you're obviously aware of the, the various uh, conversations that are happening around the team at the moment, in the media and from the fans, who are wondering why that fluency isn't there. Is it hard to kind of ignore that and compartmentalise that and then at the same time go and work on these things, which obviously you guys must be feeling parts of yourselves?
2: Yeah, but you see, I suppose I think that, um, you know, I probably answered probably in terms of why I felt that maybe those things were going. Sure. And maybe haven't been going right in terms of combinations and different things like that. Um, say so, so,
0: so the missed tackles in the last game for example I think there's no yeah, yeah so that, that, like, that's but not but
2: that, that's a player thing you know Like that's nothing to do with I suppose what we, uh, the, the feeling amongst the players is that probably the coaching staff will come in for a bit of stick when probably it's the players that need to be fronting up in those scenarios I mean missed tackles that's nothing to do with the coach you know that's to do with um, that's to do with guys not fronting up and not performing so I mean th- those kind of things are a prerequisite when you go into a game if you're trying to be successful you know so um, I think things like that are, you know, it's, it's very hard to, to not see and not hear what's going on uh, outside the group. But I don't think it really necessarily has to affect us. You know, I think um, I suppose if, I, if you were trying to ease concerns from a, from a supporter perspective, we know that some of those things haven't gone right. It doesn't mean that we can't get them right. now. I think that's, you know, to reassure them, I think we know the things that we're, we're not doing well. I think we're, we're well capable of getting those things right.
0: Yeah, and particularly because it's all on the line this Sunday. That's the thing about this game. For whatever reason, it's all coming down to these uh, 84, 85, 90 minutes, however long this game actually lasts.
2: Yeah, well, I think that's always the case. And then Once you get to this portion of the, of the season, every game becomes a must-win. I mean, obviously, for a couple of teams in the, in the league especially that are kind of home and dry, you think of Glasgow and, and Munster probably at this stage, um, I think you know, they're probably in a different situation league-wise. But I think that, especially cup campaigns, these games, if you're, if you're involved in the latter stages of that, everything becomes a final towards the end of the season anyway. You know, you just got to go on a run and get a bit of form. And, and at times, maybe not necessarily form. You've got to eat out wins as well. You know, I think the good thing that, that we have going for us is that we have a lot of guys with a lot of experience playing knockout footy, you know. So I think uh, hopefully um, that'll tell in, in this stage of the competition.
0: Well, listen, Luke, best of luck on Sunday. Thanks so much for making the time to talk to us.
2: Uh, Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Cheers. It's interesting to hear from Luke there that obviously they're aware of this um, stuff, Brian, outside the camp, that there's pressure building um, on the team's performance and also on the the coaching ticket. But I don't know, I I never got the impression that Leinster are the type of organisation who are going to look for a new coach, that coaching tickets tend to really have to flop horribly for them not to say, we're going to double down on this and and come back next year. Am I wrong about that?
1: Firstly, I think... I think Luke's right in that, you know, there is responsibility on the players. I think, th- th- you know, I mentioned before on the show that there's two types of defensive issues. It's, you know, individual one tackles or when there's system errors. Now, system errors are a lot harder to fix in, in that players don't understand, you know, who who their man was. And-, and so they're inquisitively at each other thinking, oh, he was your man, no, no, no he was your man. And so that, that is a bit of a problem. I don't think Leinster possessed that issue. I think there's good clarity on the defensive uh, system. It's simply one-on-one tackles, guys falling off tackles. And I hope in the last couple of weeks, particularly that that's happened since the last game, the guys have been doing a little bit of tackle technique stuff, and just getting themselves ready. They don't have to go and, and smash each other at training, but get themselves ready for what's going to be a very combative, combative performance needed this weekend. And they just can't afford to have that level of tackles they had in, in, in the basket. I think at one stage they might have missed at halftime they read they missed fifty percent of their tackles. Mm-hmm. Like no team should be able to survive on that. And I don't know, you should maybe ask a few questions of the bath team with regard to that one, you know, but um, like you, you just can't teams want ten percent or less missed tackles. So you know that's got to be a big target for them this week. With regard to, to, to coaches, no Leinster um, historically, you know, you know there was a big over of coaches during the mid two thousands and it you know caused havoc with the squad and then there was five years of continuity Michael Cechka and then um, and then and then Joe coming in listen um, Matt O'Connor you know maybe he's not the same type of coach as Joe Schmidt but he's produced the league in year one got them to a semi finally Europe in year two I appreciate that it was a relatively easy group this year but if he can win at the weekend and get this team the centre team into a final I'm sure a huge amount would be forgiven. Uh, and you know some of the people that have been uh, piping up on on social media over the last uh, couple of weeks, um, you know, it might just soften their cough a little bit because Leinster have good pedigree for European um, cups, and so um, you know, you, you know, I, I would be, I would feel as though Toulon are, are, are comfortable favourites, but it's certainly not beyond the realms of possibility of Leinster winning this one.
0: You're uh, obviously covering Claremont Saracens on BT. Tell us what you think is going to happen in this one because Claremont look like they're one of the best teams. I mean, obviously everybody bangs on about Toulon being well oh, the best team in world rugby at the moment, but actually Claremont are brilliant to watch.
1: The, the Claremont performance, first half performance in particular, in Northampton was, I think, the best European performance I've seen in certainly five or six years. Um, it was absolutely clinical in in everything they did. They um, their 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 rucking was was phenomenal there. Interplay between forwards and backs, their lines of running, and they seem to be playing with a flair and an openness to be able to throw the ball around and, and play, you know, heads up rugby, which, you know, which is the best of French rugby. And I think a huge amount of credit, you know, should probably go to someone like, uh, John O'Gibbs, who, you know, maybe Joe Schmidt took an awful lot of the credit for Lencer's success over the last few years, but John O'Gibbs was an in- integral part of that as well. And now he's going over and and, and Claremont are rooking like Leinster of old used to ruck. So I think there's there's, there's something in that. Um, I just feel as though they'll have too much uh, power for Saracens. That, um, the, you know, the, the semi-final uh, hurt of last year in, in Twickenham will be uh, playing on the, on, on the Claremont mind, and I just feel that they'll blow Saracens away. Um, and, yeah, it, you know, my gut feels that it's probably going to be a double French final, but you know, I, you, you hold out hope that um, the Leicester boys can produce that huge performance that uh, everyone feels is coming, or you know, certainly everyone within the squad feels is there.
0: Brian, great stuff. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks a million.
1: Thanks a lot. Cheers.
0: Yeah, don't forget we have that game live for you on Sundays off the ball. We have Gavin Duffy on the sideline in the commentary box. It's going to be Liam Toland, Keith Wood and Dave McIntyre calling Leinster against Toulon live from Marseille on Sunday. I should tell you as well that Luke Fitzgerald spoke to us on Wednesday to help launch Restore, a dynamic new Irish food, coffee and convenience concept, which has joined forces with Ireland's leading fuel retailer Topaz to revolutionise the forecourt and convenience experience for more about Restore check out facebook.com forward slash re.store or topaz.ie.